the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, week one NFL recap and Monday night football preview. Your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Action Network's Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant. We are excited to have you with us to unpack what was an insane week one. Big week for the podcast here at Action. Stucky and Chris Raybon's Sunday six-pack on Thursday's episode. They went 5-1 and one in their best bets. Our episode that aired uh, last Friday on the Action Network podcast, nine best bets. Those went 6-3. and three. And even the favorites podcast, their faves five went five and oh. So a lot to be excited about around here. Good start. Great week for unders too. crushing in week one, 10 of the first 15 games this season, hitting the under as a reminder, you can follow all of these picks on the action network app. It's free every week of the season, but it is just after midnight here on the East coast. As we come to you, uh, Sunday night football has just wrapped and that concludes a week one Sunday featured uh, full 14 games to get to. So enough of us, uh, you know, gloating and being happy about ourselves. <laughs> Let's unpack what the heck just happened from today. Brandon Anderson, we will go to you first. Wild, wild ride. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Steelers win outright 23-20. They, of course, cover. Uh, they were getting points in this game. But just uh, try to summarize that thing that happened today. Boy, that was just a wild ride. I had... Pittsburgh as my very first pick I filed for the year. They were a hot read earlier in the week. We talked about them. I wrote about them. I had the money line and then they took me on the roller coaster of my life. Welcome back to NFL betting. Minka Fitzpatrick scores the first touchdown of the season, which I don't know what the odds were of, of starting that one out. Joe Burrow is just handing out passes left and right. It's like Oprah over here. You get an interception, you get an interception. He's got five turnovers Seven sacks, so much for that remade offensive line. Mm. And Pittsburgh's dominating. I'm feeling good. We got Pittsburgh. We're up 17-6 of the half. And then the Bengals just keep on coming, and they keep on coming. And to, to me, the, the big picture story here is the Bengals are really good. You, you want to buy some Bengals stock. They took the loss, but they had 165 yards more than the Steelers in this game. First downs, they were 32 to 13 margin. Here's where it all went bad. And we'll get to the end of the game here. Bengals were two of five in the red zone. They were one of three on fourth down. They have that pick six. And then there are the kicks. Pittsburgh's up six. Cincinnati's driving. First of all, our guy Jamar Chase scores the winning touchdown. That should have been the winning touchdown. He got the ball over the goal line. Nobody sees it. So they call it down at the one. Nobody reviews it. I thought that's how we were going to do this thing. We keep going. The Bengals look like they're going to get in. They're not going to get in. We're on the last play. You go to Jamar Chase on the other side. They were hitting that all game long. Pittsburgh's corner is no chance. Jamar gets in. They get the touchdown. I am despondent. It's 20-20, extra point, zeros on the clock, game over. And so we get to the kicks portion of our review. Evan McPherson, the guy everybody loved from the Super Bowl last year, danced on the sidelines and everything. Good old Evan comes out. 
to make the easy old extra point game over 21-20 and it's blocked by Minka Fitzpatrick. Trying to complete the round. McPherson, it's blocked! What a turn of events! So, we're going to overtime and I believe we had five possessions in overtime. Ten minutes, five possessions. So we're, we're, we're zooming through. Steelers go three and out or quickly get the ball back. Cincinnati effectively drives down the field, gets in perfectly nice and easy field goal range. Game over. Bring on Evan. The dude has money from everywhere. He was great all playoffs. Here's the easy one. And he kicked it out of the country. Wilcox, snapper, Huber, holder from 29 yards away. Oh, he missed it badly. So Pittsburgh gets their chance. They drive down. They get the long one. They line up Chris Boswell. He gets the long shot at it, and we doink off the crossbar. From 55 yards away, Boswell. And finally, Steelers get it back. Chris Boswell, 53-yard walk-off. Boswell trying to get it done. Snap, placement, kick on the way. Boswell, that's a winner! Unforgettable season opener! We get the winner, we get the cover, and Pittsburgh at plus 265 to the money line. Had it all the way. It was a roller coaster. Holy crap, that was awesome how you just uh, recapped that game. But uh, two notes from that one. The week one trend for Super Bowl losers continues to uh, not go their way. 4-19 now against the spread uh, over the last 23. And Mike Tomlin is a dog. Oh, he's just wonderful, isn't he? Hey, man, I don't care how the other 31 are doing it. Just over 64% entering the season. Uh, that continues to uh, move upward for Coach Tomlin and the Steelers. They win outright. So, speaking of a game that was 2020, let's go to Indianapolis and Houston, shall we? Joe Gallant? <laughs> yeah, the, that game, I found it to be almost kind of hilarious how it played out because I'm watching this more from a props angle and watching this game kind of unfold. So, I had Matt Ryan uh, to throw an interception in this game around plus 160. Entering Monday Night Football right now, we 30 quarterbacks so far. The interception epidemic is happening, and I think we need to take advantage of it from a betting perspective. 30 quarterbacks so far, 19 have thrown an interception. 10 of those closed to plus money. Seven of them hit. I, I think right now you could just blindly bet interceptions pretty much for every quarterback every week, and you would walk away with a little bit of profit. From a touchdown perspective, though, O.J. Howard signed off the street. He catches two touchdowns. He was plus 950 to score. I thought he was going to be the most profitable guy of the day. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. Uh, but other than that, honestly, I felt like it was kind of a painful game to watch. Kind of a disappointing conclusion if you had Texans. Uh, but uh, if you had the spread, kudos. Yes, it ends in a tie. How wonderful. We move the ship along to Baker's Revenge. Uh, Cleveland at Carolina. The Browns won 26-24. Shout out to Vegas Refund who got that right uh, on the uh, pod. But anyway, Browns closed at plus one and a half uh, over at FanDuel. Brandon Anderson, Baker almost delivered there at the end, but uh, his old buddies, they took him down. They did. And Cade York comes through with the 58-yard winning field goal. They they finally got the kicker they're looking for. This line was a weird one. Kept bouncing around all week. Browns are one and a half point underdogs. Browns moved to one and a half point favorites at one point. We're going back and forth. Ended up not mattering. They get the field goal. They covered all those lines. Wherever you got the Browns at, you got them. 
the Browns really should have won by more than this. Nick Chubb had a monster game. Cleveland ran 39 times for 217 yards. They had almost 39 minutes of possession here. So they, they really had a lot more of offense. They had 100 more yards, and that includes a 75-yard bomb from Baker to Robbie with an IE Anderson. So it's fun to see him show out. Panthers, I don't know. Baker, Baker did get a touchdown. Baker, anytime touchdown I saw was seven to one. So if you had if you played the Baker revenge anytime touchdown angle, you got that one across. But Cleveland, you know, they need to eke out wins like this while we're waiting out the Deshaun Watson suspension. So that was a big one for them. Moving on in the NFC South, New Orleans visiting Atlanta. Saints eke it out. They were down nine at halftime. That was a terrible outfit that they looked like in the first half. They trailed 16-7, and then they outscore the Falcons 20-10 to in the second half. So New Orleans wins, but the Falcons cover. They get five and a half. So despite the victory, uh, Will Lutz, a little redemption at the end. Jill, what jumped out to you in this game? I'm still kind of conflicted if Michael Thomas is back. Like Michael Thomas has two touchdowns in the second half, but the first half, pretty much in, invisible. Like, and again, the, the Saints offense is fairly anemic outside of some long Taysom Hill runs. And uh, Marcus Mariota, you know, welcome back. Nice little touchdown around plus 300. It was the biggest odds of, for a touchdown score of the game. But overall, just not really a great game overall for props. But from a front-to-back dramatic standpoint, pretty fun game to watch, all things considered. Jacksonville at Washington today. The Carson Wentz experience, speaking of ups and downs, <laughs> Holy jeez, this guy. Carson Wentz uh, does turn it around. He gets Washington a victory and a cover, 28-22, your final. So the Commanders cover three, two and a half. That was moving a little bit uh, just before kick. It moved to three. Brandon Anderson, you're jumping off point on this game? You know, I got to say, I, I started the day as our resident NDSU Bison fan. I started the day here in Chicago wearing my Trey Lance jersey around. And I ended it in my Carson Wentz jersey, still on the Eagles version, but I was not expecting this to be a Carson Wentz day. We get to the fourth quarter. The commanders are leading relatively comfortably at this point. And that's when Carson Wentz remembers that it's the fourth quarter and he's playing the Jaguars and he throws two ugly interceptions. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go again. Carson Wentz, it's the Jaguars. Here we know what we're doing. And just when you thought Carson couldn't get any worse against the Jaguars, he goes and does something like that and totally redeems himself with the bomb to McLaurin, the dime to Dotson, the first round pick, second touchdown of the day for him. Wentz has four touchdowns and the commanders come back for the win. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. Pretty exciting game. A lot of a lot of good things to like about both of those teams. I think they're going to be all right, the Commanders and the Jaguars going forward. Let's go to Philly, Detroit next. And Jill, this game, the Lions, the, the lovable Lions, they they basically do what we kind of expect. They're, they're, they're the lovable story that everyone is backing now after hard knocks. But uh, Eagles nearly give it away, and the Lions get there for a cover. 38-35, your final. That was a two-touchdown lead for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, your, your pick from uh, last week, the rushing yard prop, that looked pretty nice too. Yeah, I mean, 17 rushes, 90 yards. He's, you know, basically taking more reps from a running standpoint than any other running back on the field. But what was hilarious is that every running back basically got their chance to shine. Like it was a running party for the Eagles. So from a touchdown score perspective, like Hurts scored at even money. 
Uh, Sanders around plus 165, Gainwell plus 265, and then even Boston Scott, last year's most profitable anytime touchdown score. He comes through with a nice little plus 350 score. But honestly, recapping this game and thinking about it, like I don't know if I want to give credit to the Lions for kind of playing the whole game and being scrappy, or if I want to say that the Eagles gagged at garbage time because if you look at it on paper, you would think like, wow, but like the Lions are like, you know, they might be pretty close to the Eagles. It's like, no, like in context, like the Eagles were pretty much running all over them. They rushed for overall close to 250 yards on this team. And that's been kind of the scope of the Lions for the last couple of years is that they haven't been able to stop the run. So I, I still think the Eagles are going to be probably the, the favorites in the NFC East going forward, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to give the line credit enough for keeping it close. Brandon Anderson, really quick before you chime in on Baltimore Jets. Jill, can you tell Brandon really fast your your pizza analogy uh, for how you describe this game? We were talking before you hopped on here, Brandon. I I think this is fantastic. Pretend like you're being invited to like a pizza buffet and, you know, you've got Pizza Hut, you got Domino's, you got all these interesting pizzas, deep dish pizza, all these different availability of pizza. And then your friend comes out and says, hey, I have frozen pizza. Would you like to have some of that? Well, in this analogy... Ravens Jets is frozen pizza. Like if it's on a Thursday, I haven't eaten really that much. Like sure. I'll have some, but on a day where I have all this different pizza to choose from, you can throw that frozen pizza in the trash. So I didn't really watch a minute of this game. So I'll let Brandon, I'd be able to chime in a little bit more on how this played out. I literally ate a frozen pizza an hour ago, so I can't get on board with this analogy. That's that's Sunday evening staple. And uh, that I got more out of that frozen pizza than I got out of this game. The takeaway for me is this, Ravens 24-9, the Jets actually had 100 more yards than the Ravens. Baltimore only had 13 first downs. So before you just uh, just go past the Jets and assume the Ravens were great, eh, it was ugly for everyone. Sure was. 24-9, your final score, and of course, the, uh, the Ravens cover. Okay, New England at Miami. Well, Bill Belichick, nice offseason, pal. Uh, nice coaching staff you got there, Bill. Fellas, I am sick of this okay? I can't stand much more of this. It's a joke. It's a joke. 20 to 7, they lose in Miami. The record in Miami for New England, even with Brady, awful. That continued. Patriots were ugly. And the Dolphins, Tyree Kill, Jill, he looks pretty good there. Just a little bit. I mean, it, obviously, uh, I think Tyreek floats all boats because Tua didn't look too bad himself. Um, Ty Montgomery, I think, is the new James White in this offense. James White and the Patriots offense, they've thrived when ha- being able to have kind of this pass catching back that they can have that is a little bit more versatile. And I think Ty Montgomery is going to fill that role. And he got activated late going into this game. He was plus 1,000 for any time touchdown odds today. Keep your eye on Ty Montgomery going forward. Lastly, from the uh, the witching hour, the, the one o'clock games, the stunner of the day as it pertains to a, an underdog that beat a favorite, the Chicago Bears beat the San Francisco 49ers outright at home, 19 to 10. They closed at plus 215 uh, over at FanDuel today. So the Bears victorious, Brandon Anderson. Yeah, this was ugly. Look, if, uh, if the last game we talked about was frozen pizza, these are like soggy leftover pizza rolls. Is, is that what this game was? That we're in a Chicago monsoon, and uh, look, I'm in the suburbs, so I should have seen that this was going to be ugly. But this is sloppy, sloppy, ugly rain, and Fields and Trey Lance both just did not look great today. Nobody looked good out there. My only takeaway is us. Within like minutes of each other, Equinemia St. Brown scores a touchdown. Minutes after Amon Ra St. Brown scores a touchdown in the Lions game. So that's a St. Brown double-double there. I think we got to get some odds up at, at FanDuel for that in the future. I might bet on that one again. 
Brandon, that was plus fourteen fifty for a parlay today. I tweeted that out earlier. The St. Brown brothers parlay. I like that. Time touchdown. Okay, moving on to the four o'clock window. Vegas Chargers. That was an exciting game to look forward to. Everyone thinking over lots of points. There was excitement in this game. There's no question. Chargers do win and cover three and a half. They win 24-19. Jill, you can see the potential of these offenses. Firepower everywhere. Well, I mean, I think it was pretty evident, too, when you were looking at MVP odds before the start of the season. And uh, Justin Herbert is like third or fourth on the list behind, you know, the usual suspects. Now, the Raiders, honestly, like outside of Devontae Adams, who else is catching the ball? Like, yes, he looked great, but Derek Carr just looked really pedestrian, three interceptions. If anything, they almost resembled the Chargers, like kind of with their late game, like boneheaded decisions. Uh, And then a fun fact as well about this game, Xander Horvath, running back five for the Chargers, comes through for betters at 25 to one, largest anytime touchdown score bet that hit on Sunday. Let's go to Green Bay, Minnesota. Brandon, the week one Aaron Rodgers Discussed uh, continues. Twenty three seven was your final Vikings roll. Aaron Rodgers did not look the same without the uh, therefore after mentioned uh, Devonte Adams. I would say more so. Aaron Rodgers did not look the same without his two tackles. That was the real okay. surprise for me. Is both tackles were late scratches that came out. I think Saturday night and this line flipped. The Packers were one and a half point favorites and then finished around one and a half point underdogs. And that was a big deal because the Darius Smith in his revenge game coming back. He had a huge game. He was all over Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers does not make mistakes. He had four sacks. He threw an interception, which doesn't seem like much, but I think he had like nine the last two seasons combined. So the Packers just were sloppy. They moved the ball all right, but Justin Jefferson, unstoppable. Nine catches, 184 yards, two scores, almost a third, if not for a toe, barely coming out of bounds there. And he started the year out with a bang against a very good defense too, might I add. So that Justin Jefferson thing looks very good. Vikings off to a good start in the NFC North. Giants at the Titans, and the Giants deliver. They go for two. Brian Dayball in his debut as head coach. They, The play call was, uh, I was like holding my breath as that happened. I didn't have much on the line there personally, but uh, the little shovel pass to Saquon Barkley, who, whoa, uh, Saquon Barkley had a big, big game. Giants closed at plus 200 as underdogs over at FanDuel. Jill Saquon was uh, was pretty pretty masterful there. Yeah, he, all the overs hit. If you were a prop better and you were betting Saquon Barkley this uh, this week, you got the over on the catches, the over on the rush yards, over on the receiving yards, which is a very popular one. Uh, you got the anytime touchdown. But I'm still from this game the the, the two point call. That's probably the ballsiest thing I saw all week. Because if that didn't work out, like Giants fans would probably be calling for his head. Like they just, there's no fair weather kind of giant fans like that. Like they would pretty much say like put his head on a spike if they lost that game that way. Also from an anytime touchdown perspective, definitely saw some nice little boost there. You saw Chris Myrick catch his second touchdown of his career. That was 16 to one odds. Dontrell Hilliard for the Titans, just out of nowhere, kind of uh, having another big hit. Uh, He was seven to one odds. Uh, again, but that two-point call, I just think about what the headlines would have been like the next day if they if they gaffed at that. Yeah, just the fact that they got it and Saquon was the one to do it. Welcome back, Saquon Barkley. Well, how about the Chiefs? They don't seem to uh, miss Tyreek Hill all that much. 44 points, the most points scored of any team this week. 44-21. The Cardinals never really had a shot, Brandon Anderson. This was 14-0 early, and of course, the Chiefs covered no problem. Yeah, no Tyreek, no problem. The Chiefs scored three touchdowns, first three drives of the game. Pat Mahomes, 390 yards, five touchdowns. Apparently it didn't matter too much missing his star receiver. They were six for six in the red zone. 
They had more than 200 yards over the Cardinals. They averaged 9.2 yards per pass. Nice if you can pass for a first down every time you throw the ball. Turns out that's going to work pretty well for you. So glad we got that hot read in and grabbed the Chiefs early. We got Chiefs Chargers Thursday. That's a big one. So mm-hmm. we'll get excited for that one. Okay. And finally, the last game of the night, Tom Brady, good for you. Oldest quarterback to start an NFL game at age 45. This game was about Dallas and how inept they looked. Mike McCarthy's coaching offensive line is hurt. Oh, and Dak Prescott now is going to be up multiple weeks. Uh, Jerry Jones said it just after the game and it's being reported. Now it's not good news for Dak. Jill Gallant. Are you looking at Cooper rush anytime touchdowns now, or what's the, what's the angle here out of this game? I'm looking for a cliff to jump off of right now. Like this is just pretty bad. Like um, I am the resident Cowboys fan here. The season's going down the toilet now watching this and then watching also just the social media. Like there's people like victory lapping this kind of injury because they just despise the Cowboys, but you're right. It's an anemic offense. You kind of already knew it was going to be anemic just because of missing uh, Tyron Smith and just the, the wide receiver depth, just being very like they had no playmakers like CD lamb just couldn't get open at all. I'm pretty much ready now to just move on to just canceling my, uh, my Cowboys subscription just for this season. All right. Well, we're here for you every Sunday, every time they play. So that (laughs) could be a, it could be fun or you could hate us by then. Overall, this game was just wasn't really good from a prop standpoint. Like, I mean, there's some people who probably cash on like a Julio Jones receiving prop, but for like touchdown props, like Mike Evans is around plus 110. It's pretty standard kind of fair. Made a beautiful catch uh, touchdown. But at the same time, from a better's perspective, if unless you were just on Buck's side, that's or maybe the under, that's pretty much the only people that were walking away with money in that game. So those are your 14 game recaps. And I know a little sarcasm in my voice, especially about this. It's week one. Not trying to overreact, but guess what? We have a show to do today, everybody. So that's how this goes. Let's get to uh, Monday Night Football. So we talked about Baker's revenge. Well, now we've got Russell Wilson. He's actually going to Seattle to begin his Denver Broncos career. Denver uh, right now minus six and a half. Totals at 44 and a half uh, for tomorrow night's Monday Night Football game. Yeah, seen six and a half here. Uh, totals at 44 and a half. Yeah, I get bad vibes here about Denver because everyone's on Denver. All the money's in on Denver, Brandon. Yeah, I have really gone back and forth on this game because on the one hand, Denver just is a much more talented team than Seattle. There's a reason that it was time to move on from Russell Wilson because the rest of the roster said it was time. I had Seattle bottom four in my offensive and defensive rankings going into the new season. Denver, not close. Denver... As a top 10 offense, Denver has a promising defense. Nathaniel Hackett makes his coaching debut here. I believe today new coaches were 7-2-1 and one straight up. So that has bucked the trend of how recent coaches have struggled in their debut. So this is the key for me. Pete Carroll obviously knows everything there is to know about Russell Wilson. And we know he's a unique quarterback. There are certain things he does really well, like throw the deep ball down the sideline. And there are things he doesn't do as much like hit the guys over the middle. So you would think that that should give Pete Carroll a nice schematic advantage to kind of say, okay, let me just try to take that away. The problem is you still need your players to execute. And Seattle's secondary is in rough shape. Seattle is not going to be good defending the pass or passing the ball, which, you know, it's 2022. That's a rough combination for football in today's day and age. So I, I go back and forth on this. Here's where I land. 
I'm going to play a same game parlay at FanDuel because if I go in on the Broncos and that's where I have to, because I like Denver a lot better. I like Russell Wilson, but if I'm in, I want to really go in. I don't want to just take the cover six and a half. I think there's a script here where Russell comes out, throws the touchdown early and they just fly and Seattle looks not even in it from the start. And it's just a Russell Wilson night. So I'm going to the same game parlay three legs. I want Broncos covering the first half, three and a half. I want Russell Wilson's over on passing yards, currently at 253 and a half. And I want a big Broncos win, 14 or more points. Give me all three of those. So get on the board early, get him moving. Russell hits a few deep balls. All three of those together is plus 523. I'm not going to go crazy here just because I could see this go the other way. I could see Seattle win here, but I don't see an in-between outcome. I either want to go in on Denver and really go for it or just kind of stay away. So I'm going to have a little fun. It's our first Monday night. Peyton and Eli are back. I want to see Russell Wilson have a little fun. Looking at the Action Network app, 79% of the bets, 56% of the money. So there's a bit of a drop-off there coming in on Denver. So 44% of the money coming in on Seattle at six and a half. Joe Gallant, any angles on this game that you're taking for Denver, Seattle? This is the thing is that I am with Brandon in the sense that I think Seattle secondary isn't very really that good. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm really gravitating towards Cortland Sutton at plus 150 for a touchdown, because even last year, if you look just at the raw stats of how many touchdowns they allowed to wide receivers, yes, they were fairly low, but at the same time, they allowed a ton of receptions, a ton of yards, a ton of targets. So they were still trying to attack that team that way last year. And they didn't really improve enough from a roster standpoint where you would feel like you would feel threatened by that. And then not only that, it's some of the books right now, they've got Jerry Judy at better touchdown odds than Cortland Sutton right now. And I feel like if you're flipping a coin, I'm going to take Sutton every time, at least for this week. So I think right now, I think he's the best touchdown bet on the board. Also, DK Metcalf, I think it's been very highly talked about already about how successful he was, even with Geno Smith, that quarterback. You're getting a, right now around plus 210 odds uh, to be able to score. So I think that's a very solid look. And then I'm going to take a quarterback, Geno Smith. Uh, he rushed for a touchdown in the preseason, also rushed for one in his last start against Jacksonville when he played last season. So Getting it around plus 600, I think, is fairly decent odds. And then, of course, just because of the interceptions and because Russell Wilson is the uh, second highest odds on the board for an interception, I am probably going to be considering Russell Wilson for an interception uh, in his home return. Time for the hot read. Time to take a quick look at NFL Week 2 because we have no patience on this show. We're going to dust off the old, uh, old Peyton here and kick off the hot read. Hot rock! In this segment, our guys are going to discuss any spreads they're already targeting six days in advance. And as always, this isn't so much of an analysis of a matchup. It's anticipating the likelihood of a shift, because if you wait, you you might not get the edge that you want uh, before kickoff. Example, Brandon Anderson took the Chiefs minus two and a half last week during our best bets episode. And well, that's paid off because now it's three and a half on FanDuel. So Chiefs minus three and a half this Thursday night. That is the Thursday night matchup. Brandon first, what do you got? I'm going to ride with the rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot one more time. I got to be honest. I can't believe we're getting a rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot. Pittsburgh is home against the Patriots. I'm going to cut you off because I laugh at that all the time. Like, that's what the hell we paid to do. I had to double and triple check this. The Patriots are road favorites. 
did we watch the same Patriots today? New England never showed up. They don't have a coaching staff. They don't have an offense. Bill Belichick wants to fire the offensive coordinator, but it's himself. I don't think they can do that. Oh, yeah, we got him. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's got who. It, it was messy. The Patriots did not look good in that game. Oh, oh, and Mac Jones has a back injury now, apparently. Too. Exactly, and that was my other thing here is we know how great Mac is, but we certainly rather have him than the other options here. So that's the other angle that I have here is the Mac Jones back injury. If, you know, you got to get ahead of that because – Maybe he ends up missing. Maybe he doesn't, but plays through. And we've seen quarterbacks like that, a back injury. You're much less mobile. The offensive line is moving pieces around. The Steelers have a good pass rush, although must be noted, TJ Watt may also miss. It sounds like he has a possibly a torn pectoral. And again, it's TJ Watt. He might just play through that too, for all that we know. But all the Mike Tomlin underdog numbers, Steelers are plus 105. I think even if you just want to get ahead of it, the, the Steelers are going to close, I would guess, as favorites here. And you could probably just end up with a minor, you know, middle it out and grab plus money lines on either side if you want to try it that way. But I honestly, I expected the Steelers to be favored significantly here. I thought they'd be favored by like four, five points. And uh, clearly I was way off on that. But this line really shocked me. I would agree. And you've got one more for us for, uh, for next week. I do. We're going to get a little ugly with this one. I like the Falcons. So Atlanta goes to Los Angeles. Our defending Super Bowl champions are 0-1. By the way, I think I saw this is the first week one that both Super Bowl teams lost since the 90s. It's been a long time since both of them came out with a loss. I think it's easy to just think, okay, what's the Rams, right? The Rams are going to come out. The Rams will get things in order. And oh, thank goodness. They get to play the Falcons. Atlanta's not any good. The Rams take care of it. The Rams are 12 point favorites at some books, 11 and a half. That number is already starting to drop a little bit. It was higher earlier in the day. And why is it dropping? Because the Falcons kind of look pretty good today. The Falcons put up a huge pile of yardage on a really good Saints defense, like a top three in the league Saints defense for the past couple of years. Marcus Mariota looked good. That, that play action, getting him out on the boot, he seems like he is a good fit for Arthur Smith's offense. They moved the ball well. They hung in there. Sean McVay, when he is more than a 10-point favorite the last two seasons, only one and four against the spread. So I think this line is going to continue to drop a little bit. It's still priced based on the look ahead before the season. It is not priced on the Atlanta team we just watched and the LA team we watched on Thursday night. The Rams' offensive line struggles all over the place. The Bills lived in the backfield there. The Falcons are not the Rams, but the Falcons also, I don't think, should be 10, 11, 12-point underdogs. So I want to grab that one before that line drops down later in the week. Jill, any look-ahead thoughts before we uh, wrap things up? Yeah, so I'm going to write up a little piece on this uh, here just a little bit uh, later this week. But uh, we're about to cross streams, Brandon, because uh, you brought up a trend and I have a trend and we're going to just have some trend chaos here because since 2014, uh, when teams lose by double digits in week one, 60% of the time they cover the spread in week two and they win outright 46% of the time. So the candidates in week two right now that fit this criteria, you got the Patriots minus one against the Steelers. You got the Jets six and a half against the Browns, the Packers eight and a half versus the Bears. The Cardinals plus three and a half versus the Raiders. Cowboys minus two was the look ahead line. Now that's going to be up in the air. You're probably going to see Bengals minus six by the time you see Cooper Rush in a practice uniform. Uh, And then Rams minus 10 and a half right now. Uh, So again, in theory, 
four of six are going to cover. I don't know which ones, but we're going to find out. So, and I think three of six could win outright based on that trend and based on that percentage. But right now, maybe the other four uh, cover and the Rams uh, <laughs> fall on their face again in week two. So we could both be right. That is going to put a wrap on today's episode, the week one NFL recap, our Monday night football preview, and also our week two hot read. As always, thank you all so much for tuning in to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. We'll be joining you every Sunday night into Monday morning. For those of you tuning in, we certainly appreciate it. Great week one. We hope to keep it rolling uh, and recap a great and exciting, hopefully, week two. Uh, Thanks to Jill Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Action Network podcast. We will join you again next Sunday night into Monday morning. Have a great week.